you would please turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 4. We're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 4, verses 8 through 16 today. I used to work at CVS Pharmacy in the Kansas City area as a shift supervisor. And the first store that I worked at was in kind of a ghetto area. And in that area, we had to deal with a lot of petty theft as both adults and kids would would come in and they would take stuff and put it in their purse or in their backpack or in their pocket and then leave without paying for those items. Very often, the individual would get away with that theft, but kids, especially young kids, were not always that sneaky in the stuff that they stole. I remember a particular occasion when two small boys who were probably around five or six tried to steal some candy from the shelves near the register. They slowly inched towards the counter, took some candy, and very obviously stuck it in their pockets while they they guiltily kept glancing over at me as I was standing at the cash register. There was nothing between me and them, and I had a perfect view of exactly what they were doing. So right when they were walking out the door, I I bolted from behind the counter and grabbed both of the kids and gave them a stern talking to and put the candy away. But because they were so young, I showed them some mercy and let them go after that. But the thing that always stood out to me was how these kids so naively thought that they could get away with stealing that candy. Their actions were clearly on display to me. There there was no way I was going to miss it, and there was no way that they were going to get away with it. Well, in a much greater sense... All of our actions are clearly on display before our God. And when we do something wrong, our God's not going to miss it. There's going to be no way that we get away with it. God will always know about our guilt. Nothing can be hidden from him. And that is something that we are going to see very clearly in our passage today. The last few sermons we've been studying the story of Cain and Abel, the the first children of Adam and Eve. Two weeks ago we went through verses 1 through 7 of Genesis 4 and we saw Abel be accepted by God when he faithfully and righteously offered a sacrifice to God. While his brother Cain was not accepted as his sacrifice was given in in a sinful manner. This enraged Cain, and, and God warned Cain that he must rule over his sin and not let his sin rule over him. But sadly, last week as we began to go through Genesis 4, verses 8 through 16, we saw Cain completely ignore God's warning as he murdered his brother Abel, and then, when questioned by God, he lied about that murder, 
showing his complete unwillingness to confess and repent. Well, today we're going to continue on through this story, and as we do, we're going to learn a lot about our total inability to hide our sin from God. That sin always has consequences, and that we have a very, very merciful God. So please, if you would, look with me at Genesis 4, verses 8 through 16, as we look at murder and mercy, part 2. Cain spoke to Abel his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground, and now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Lord God, we thank you so much for this passage, this passage that has already begun to to speak to us over the last few weeks, and I ask that you would cause it to transform us today. As we look at these verses about, about Cain and about, about yourself and who you are, I ask that you would, you would change us, that we would recognize that our sin is on display before you, that we would flee from sin, that we would do the opposite of Cain, and that we would recognize and rejoice in your mercy. In your Son's name we pray. Amen. Last week, we focused on the crime in verse 8, where Cain murdered his own brother Abel, and on the lack of confession in verse 9, where Cain lied to God about what happened and refused to repent. So today we're going to focus on the rest of the passage, examining the condemnation in verses 10 through 12, the complaint in verses 13 and 14, and the compassion in verses 15 and 16. If you want to better follow along, there's an outline of our sermon on your bulletin. And we're going to begin by looking at the condemnation. Genesis 4, verses 10 11 and 12. It says, And the Lord said, What have you done? 
The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. God knows all things. And so Cain's attempt to hide his sin from God didn't work. Cain's lie and his murder were exposed. The Lord God directly confronted Cain saying, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. God God uses a figurative expression to show that Cain's murder of Abel couldn't be hidden. And, and, And Abel's blood was metaphorically crying out to God from the ground. Abel's blood was proclaiming Cain's guilt and therefore calling out for God's justice. Cain may have led Abel away from the family and and killed Abel privately in a field, but, but God still knew. Cain could hide his sin from other humans, but God could not be fooled. Every sin we commit is known to God. No matter how hard you, you try to hide your, your sin, you try to make it secret, God still knows. And sin always has consequences. God declared to Cain in verses 11 and 12, And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Just as the serpent and and the ground was cursed in Genesis chapter 3, Cain was now to receive God's curse. And this verbal proclamation of God's judgment on Cain would affect his ability to grow food. The ground that had opened its mouth to receive Abel's blood because of Cain's murder would now work against Cain. God told Cain in verse 12, When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. Meaning the ground would no longer produce food for him. Cain had been a farmer. We saw that back in verse 2. That had been his main occupation. And now his farming days were over. The life he had been living would, would be radically changed as a result of his sin And his livelihood was taken away from him by God. And because of that, God told Cain, you shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Part of Cain's punishment would be that he wanders on earth, never being able to settle down in one spot. Cain would go from being a farmer who carefully grew crops to a man unable to cultivate the ground, wandering as an unsettled vagabond. God did not immediately put Cain to death, which 
Cain certainly deserved. God was merciful. But there were still consequences for his sin. And it's good for us to remember that. That just because God shows us mercy does not mean we will not experience some of the earthly consequences for our sins. So, you kids here sitting up in in the front row there, be very aware of this. You've got a lot of life left to live. A lot of it. And the choices that you guys and and Ruth and Luke, you guys in the back there, the choices that you guys make right now are going to have a long-term impact on what happens during the rest of your life. Well, Cain had now heard the consequences for his sins, which were rather merciful consequences considering what he did. And in our next point, we see Cain's response to these consequences, which brings us to the complaint. Genesis 4, verses 13 and 14. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Instead of being thankful that God had been merciful, that God had not immediately executed Cain for his sin, Cain starts complaining about the punishment God has given him. Like the the whiny, dramatic antics of, of a child, Cain cries out, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Cain has still not confessed. He's still not repented of his sin. And rather than than humbly accept his punishment for his sin, he complains about it being more than he can bear. In essence, Cain is saying, that's not fair. And he then lists the consequences that he will now have to endure. He said, behold... You have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Cain recognizes that that God has taken away his ability to make a living from the ground. And his comment about God's face being hidden from him means that, that he's being further separated from God's presence. He further complains about being a wanderer on the earth. And he ends by by listing something that God had not mentioned. Cain says, and whoever finds me will kill me. It's kind of a, a bit ironic, isn't it? That the one who committed the first murder, who killed his brother Abel, is now worried about someone killing him. And it was not a not necessarily an incorrect concern for him to have. There may not have been a whole lot of people on the earth at that point in time, but the people of that time period all lived to be around 900 years old. So Cain would live to see many, many generations of men, and it's possible that 
Adam or, or some future descendant would want to take revenge on Cain for his murder of Abel. But remember, Cain's complaint about this last issue was not something that God had declared was part of Cain's punishment. And so, God again showed some mercy. Which brings us to our next point, the compassion. The compassion. Genesis 4, verses 15 and 16. Then the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. And Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain had responded to God's punishment, not with repentance, but with self-centered complaints. But again, God, God shows great patience and compassion on this sinful, hardened man. The Lord God had spared Cain from immediate execution, and now he promised protection from the execution of others. God says in verse 15, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. Cain would be protected from others by the threat of God's divine judgment. Sevenfold was a way to express completeness. And so, vengeance shall be taken on you sevenfold. It's talking about the complete and the total destruction that God would bring down on anyone who would dare to kill Cain. And as a way for others to, to see and understand that Cain was protected under this divine threat of vengeance, the end of verse 15 says, The Lord put a mark on Cain lest any who found him should attack him. The Lord gave Cain some kind of mark that would be a, a warning to anyone who would attack him. The mark was a sign that God would punish anyone who killed Cain. Now, there's a lot of speculation as to what this mark actually looked like, but... God didn't think it was necessary for us to know, so as the text doesn't elaborate. But whatever it looked like, it protected Cain and was another demonstration of the compassion of God who was willing to show mercy on such an evil and wicked and hardened man. Verse 16 goes on to say, Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord, and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Yeah. Moving or living in the east is a symbol throughout Genesis of people who have rebelled against God. In Genesis 3, the, the first sinners, Adam and Eve, were driven out of the east side of the Garden of Eden. In Genesis 11, the rebellious people who tried to, to build a tower uh, of Babel came from the east. And in Genesis 13, when Lot journeyed east, 
He lived among the people of Sodom, which the Bible calls wicked, great sinners against the Lord. And in Genesis 4, this unrepentant, murdering, lying, complaining Cain moved away from the presence of the Lord east of Eden, showing his his separation from God and showing that mankind was moving further and further and further from paradise. But also notice what Cain did east of Eden and where he specifically did it. Cain settled in the land of Nod. Now this is really important and this is where we need to put our our thinking cap on and really look closely at the details here. Cain settled in the land of Nod. What was supposed to be part of God's punishment of Cain? Being a wanderer. Meaning Cain was supposed to be moving from place to place. He was not supposed to settle anywhere. And yet what did Cain immediately do? He settled. In complete defiance to God and and to the punishment that God had declared for him, he settled. And he did it in the land of Nod. Now, all of your modern translations of the Bible, like ESV, NASB, NIV, New King James, and all the rest, will have a little footnote at the bottom of your Bible about the word nod. And it will tell you that the Hebrew word for nod here means wandering. So do you see what's going on here? Cain does not want to accept God's punishment of being a wanderer, so he tries to get around it by settling in wandering land. Kind of like when your kid badly pretends to be a lawyer by attempting to exploit some very specific thing that you said. Cain basically says to God, I am a wanderer, I am, because I live in wandering land. Cain here was again rebelling against the commandment of God. And this kind of rebellious behavior has been the norm from the very beginning. Cain sins by offering his sacrifice in an ungodly manner and gets angry about God not accepting it and God mercifully warns him about his sin. But Cain ignores God's mercy and murders Abel, and God mercifully gives Cain the opportunity to confess and repent. But Cain ignores God's mercy and lies to God, and God mercifully doesn't kill Cain, but gives him some earthly punishments instead. But Cain ignores God's mercy and self-centeredly and disrespectfully complains that God's punishment of him is too great and God mercifully promises to protect Cain from any future avenger 
But Cain ignores God's mercy and refuses to accept all of his punishment, settling down instead of being a wanderer. Cain's entire story is a display of the wretchedness and sinfulness of mankind and of the great, great mercy of God. A mercy that was displayed from the very beginning and has been displayed throughout the entire Bible. A mercy that that came to a climax in the coming of God's Son, Jesus Christ, who lived a perfect life and died to pay for all the sins of wicked and undeserving people who rose from the dead and who is willing to pour out his eternal mercy on any sinner who repents and trusts in Jesus Christ. God showed Cain earthly mercy, but Cain was never willing to repent and receive the eternal mercy of God. And every single one of us here today has received earthly mercy from God, even though we have deserved nothing but death. And it's our responsibility to respond to that earthly mercy, to turn to God for his eternal mercy and be amazed every single day that he was willing to give that great mercy to someone like us. Lord God, we do thank you for your mercy. We thank you, God, that even though we are a people who are steeped in sin, that you're a God who's willing to be compassionate and patient with us. I thank you for showing forth that that patience with Cain a man who is so undeserving, so evil, who stands out in your word as one of the worst people ever, and you gave him so much mercy. We thank you for showing that to us, God. And I ask that Cain's story would be a a sobering one to us, that we would not wrongly think that we can hide our sin from you, but that we would remember every single time that we are tempted to sin, that you are watching, that you know. That we would remember that sin has consequences. And that we would remember that you are a merciful God and that we have the responsibility to turn to you so that we can experience that mercy and be transformed by it. We thank you so much for who you are, God. And in your son's name we pray. Amen.